Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah, the man is a menace, yeah, building a dynasty, some of the finest things, promise you, you won't regret it, Slice a fox, culture didn't pop, give him his props Here is a thought, here is a box And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try Careful with the news, but when you use a take I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire Because anyone else is a huge mistake Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby Go! What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. It is Monday, June 6th. We are back here live to discuss the AFC running backs, the top half. We've got eight through one today as we're continuing our possessional depth series. It is myself and Dennis today, no Matt Fox. Uh, We are proud, though, to be part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at Pod net on twitter or you can search the hashtag tppn dennis it is monday i'm assuming you had yourself a good weekend how is everything going for you up there in ohio we we had 45 minutes of the fiercest rain uh, i think we've had all spring today um and then i come home and uh, my son has his first band practice so if you hear some rumblings that sound similar to what you might construe as music uh, it may be creeping in, but he's on the other end of the house. When I built the studio here, I think I did a pretty good job with the soundproofing. Um, but it's exciting as somebody who played in bands in my younger days, I'm fully supportive of this endeavor and it's taking all of my being to not interject myself into, uh, his band development process. Um, but he's got to learn and make the mistakes that I made. And and hopefully he listens. I just suggested maybe that they move the amps over nearer to the drummer so he could like hear the guitars and the bass because he clearly could not. Um, so, but they all seem to be reasonably talented 
late teenagers. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it'll be uh it'll be our need to check in on this on Friday to see if they've if they've moved anything and then how everything has gone over over the next couple of days. But uh, um, I'm I'm excited for you and excited for him. That's always a, a cool thing for for at least you know in my opinion for a father and son to kind of share a, a mutual love of something and a bond. And then I'm really uh really excited for you guys on well, that. For sure. I to- I told them I said, look, you guys tell me when you you want to be ready, and I'll make sure you have a show. My, my son from my first marriage is a bass player in a working band here in Columbus. And, and so getting them uh, 45 minutes on a stage is not going to be an issue. So my, my goal is to maybe help spur them to tighten things up. And, <laughs> you know, I, I already have, have hit him. He's like, well, we're going to have practice. And I looked at him and I said, son, professionals don't practice. Professionals rehearse. Yeah. There you go. All right, so we are, as I mentioned, doing the positional depth series, and we are going to uh, finish up the AFC running backs today. We've got eight through one that we are going to discuss. Uh, But just to give you guys a recap, if you missed last week's episode, uh, starting at 16, moving up to nine in our consensus ranks, was the Houston Texans, Miami Dolphins, the Jacksonville Jaguars, Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills, the New England Patriots, the Las Vegas Raiders, and the Tennessee Titans finished out as Team 9. Again, that's uh, different ranks from Dennis, myself, and Matt Fox. We kind of ranked them differently on how we feel the possession, or the possession, the position of the the depth of the position. There we go. And the top-tier talent here for the AFC running back. So that brings us to number 8. We were all fairly close here. Um, I was a tad bit higher on it than you and uh, Matt Fox. And when I say a tad bit higher, I literally mean one spot. Both you and uh, Matt had the Jets at nine. I had them at eight. So, Dennis, what had them close to being a top-half team for you when it comes to the running back depth? You know, we all have high expectations for Brees Hall. Um, And we, we had high expectations for Michael Carter until Brees Hall was drafted. That being said, you know, teams are going to multiple back production profiles. So I, I think that Hall and Carter are both going to be productive. This is an up-and-coming offense with Zach Wilson, Garrett Wilson, um, uh, uh, Corey Davis, Elijah Moore. Uh, they signed a couple free agent tight ends. They, they've invested in the O-line. So from an offensive perspective, uh, I think this this team could be a real surprise for fantasy because their defense needs some work. So if your defense is giving up points, what's your offense need to do? Your offense needs to try to score points. Um, and with Brees Hall, who we've seen as a competent three-down back, and Michael Carter, who we've seen perform in a three-down role, albeit kind of in a rotational basis with Javante Williams, um, I feel like Hall and Carter, you know, a first-year guy, second-year guy, both young. Tevin Coleman is is I don't know if he makes the team. Ty Johnson, serviceable backup. I don't know whatever happened to Lamichael P. Ryan. I thought he was going to be more. And they also signed Zonovan Knight as a, a free agent. Um, so at the top end, the top couple backs, they're pretty strong, I think, uh, and going to be productive. And they're young, and so I think that gives them a, a pretty good shot. Uh, to be fantasy relevant for the next two or three seasons, just as they sit. 
Yeah, that's kind of why I put them in the top half. They they made eight uh, for me, which was the the cutoff here, obviously for the top half, for there being sixteen teams. Uh, Brees Hall, I think, is just going to be amazing, and and I kind of I have him very high in my my running my dynasty running back ranks as it is. I, I just really like his game. I think he's. I don't think he's quite as fast as he showed at that 40. Um, I know there's a lot of talk that 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 track's been a little bit juiced, and I would not be surprised if that is not true. But I do think he is above average athlete, and he is a really good receiving back as well. And I do like Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. You know, Ty Johnson was okay last year. I do think Michael Carter can be good in a backup role or or filling in if Brees Hall were to go down. I'm with you on P, Ryan. I had a lot of hopes for him coming out. Um, That just hasn't really been realized, whether that's a – Maybe he just wasn't as good as we had hoped he was, or just the Jets, for whatever reason, don't want to use him. I don't know. Uh, but I still like the top end of those two guys, and I do kind of like Zonovan Knight as possibly being a good receiving back if he's used the right way. Uh, but he's obviously going to be buried there because both Michael Carter and Brees Hall are very good receiving backs as well, and those are going to be the two top guys getting the touches. At seven was the Cincinnati Bengals. They came in with a ranking of seven and seven for you and me. And then Matt was a little bit higher on them. He had them at six, but again, fairly close. I actually think this whole top half, we were all fairly close on all of our rankings. Uh, For me, a lot of it was Joe Mixon. We finally saw him stay healthy last year and really kind of produces that top 12 running back we had hoped he had been uh, for the previous couple seasons beforehand. Came out, had a really good season. Samaji P. Ryan was fairly decent as well at times when they needed him last year. Uh, and I still like Chris Evans um, out of Michigan. He, he's a really good running back who I think can fill in fairly well there. So I think those three guys for me um, have boosted uh, boosted up that, that depth chart because, again, I expect Mixon to go out there and produce fairly well in a very good offense, kind of have a similar season. I think he's got probably two seasons left as a high-end running back. Maybe he starts to fall off after this year a little bit. But I still think that he is going to be very good. And I think if he were to go down, Samaj P. Ryan and Chris Evans could fill in fairly well. Uh, I just like this team altogether. I think Cincinnati is going to have one of the better offenses, not just in the AFC, but as um, I mean, I think in, in the NFL in general. And really quick, because Matt just got me his notes. I'm going to go back really quick. He said, Matt Fox said on the Jets, Brees Hall has become has some good potential, and he likes Michael Carter, but he's still a little bit weary of them. And then on the Bengals, he said Joe Mixon is a stud. He's a little weary of what is behind him, but he thinks Mixon is enough to put them up this high. So, Dennis, me and you both had them at seven. Your thoughts on the Bengals? Yeah, big Joe Mixon fan, and he's still not terribly old. He's, what, 26 now, a few years under his belt. And I, I believe that – this is going to be a high-powered offense. The, the wide receiving group is going to open up the offense and allow space for the running backs to operate. And we know Mixon is a three-down back. He's got great size, six foot, 225 pounds, excellent pass catcher. I, I wanted, honestly, I wanted to put them higher. I believe Chris Evans is going to be a pretty good back. Right now, their their primary backup is, you know, great value David Montgomery and Samaji P. Ryan. He does everything kind of just like David Montgomery, just not as good. He's a capable pass catcher. He's not he, – he, he doesn't have any wiggle to his game. He doesn't have any top-end speed. He just he's, – he's a veteran guy that just doesn't really make mistakes. 
He just isn't going to get you anything more than is blocked. And so until they can get some more talent behind Mixon with a higher priority, and I don't know if that's going to be Evans. You know, you and I both like Travion Henderson coming out, and he didn't really – he didn't really pan out into anything. I think they got Puka Williams on the roster as well. Let me get here real quick. They do. They uh, do. Yeah. Yeah. They they signed Elijah Holyfield, who's uh, you know, it, Holyfield makes Samaji Pirine look like Usain Bolt. So I'm not expecting anything out of that. So no, honestly, it, if Mixon being proven as a top tier back really is what puts them ahead of the Jets, for instance. I think in a year, if Brees Hall comes out and puts up, you know, 60 catches and 1,100 yards, I think we'll we'll move him ahead of Mixon because, well, he's four or five years younger now. So I I like what the Bengals have as far as an offense. I think that I think if we're rating offenses as a whole, the Cincinnati Bengals offense is probably going to be top three, four, maybe five in fantasy point production. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, doing that at the end of this whole exercise. Yeah, I, I really expect them to be pretty high up as well. It was, it was for me, and I know, I think I mentioned this on, on the show last week when we were talking about these. Like, for me, there's a tier break after the top two. And then, like, the rest of, like, four, the top teams for me are very interchangeable. Like, it was it was very minute changes that kind of forced me to put teams up and down here. So I'm, I'm really excited. Like you said, to see it, where we kind of stand at the end of all this, where like we kind of put all these teams uh, together. So that puts us at the Los Angeles chargers who we had um, each of us within a different spot of each other. So you had them the highest at five. I follow right behind you at six and Matt Fox had them at seven. Matt Fox's thoughts here on the Chargers were Eckler has been good, but though but behind those behind him have not replicated that production. Maybe that changes with the draft of Isaiah Spiller. It is a solid group, but he still has some serious questions. What are your thoughts on the Chargers? You know, they, the Chargers have been looking for that Latavius Murray, Mark Ingram compliment to uh, Austin Eckler for about four years now. They've drafted Justin Jackson. They've drafted Joshua Kelly. They've drafted Larry Roundtree. And this year they drafted Isaiah Spiller. And I think this year they hit it. Um, they got they got a gift handed to them when Spiller fell in the draft because of his poor workout. But I think if you look at the tape, Spiller is – I think if, if Eckler goes down, Spiller can step into a three-down role and be very, very effective. Austin Eckler is still the guy there. He's going to play that Christian McCaffrey-type role uh, pre-275 you know, carry McCaffrey. Uh, Spill, uh, Eckler has been on his show with Liz Loza talking about the need to manage his carries because he recognizes he's a 5'10", 200-pound running back, and rushing the ball 275 times is not going to be good for his career or the Chargers. So I think he's he's looking at 100-plus targets pretty easily with, with Justin Herbert. I think Spiller probably is equal to or leads them uh, in carries. But 
uh, Eckler also was super e efficient in the red zone last year. And so I'm not sure he's got a 20 touchdown season in him this year. I think he takes a step back from that. At five, you know, honestly, I probably could have slid him back a spot or two based on Spiller being unproven and the other guys on the team not really meeting the potential they were drafted for. Um, but I just I think the Eckler Spiller combo is going to be pretty solid. Yeah, I was uh, thrilled when the, when Spiller went there. He he's a guy that I was still fairly high on um, in my film grades. I think he's a very good runner, really good patience, pretty pretty good burst. I think he does really good work behind the line of scrimmage, finding the right holes, really good vision. Um, he doesn't have that top end speed, and I think that hurt him because we saw Brees Hall test with that, um, and and you know Isaiah Spiller didn't, as you mentioned. But I still think he's a damn good running back. He's a really good wide receiver, wide receiver, running back. But I meant he does have good hands like a wide receiver. There is, was a play last year. I want to say it was week two. It may have been week three. Don't remember exactly who they were playing. But he, like, mossed a defensive back in the corner of the end zone to bring down a touchdown pass for Texas A&M. He is a much better receiver than I think may, many give him credit for. And I do think that you are right. He will likely get a decent amount of workload this year with the fact that Eckler does not want those carries. And I, I don't blame Eckler for that at all. They were really hard for me to rank. Like I think I ended up with them at six because as you mentioned, you know, I think Eckler is a little bit better than Joe Mixon, just based on what we can get from him from a fantasy production. I think that that offense is going to be very close to what the Chargers and Bengals are going to be. And I've seen Eckler do it more often because even though he's dealt with injuries, Throughout his career, he has not missed as many games as Mixon has. So I kind of bumped him up a little bit. But I do think it's fair to say that realistically behind Eckler, is we have the same issues we have behind Eckler that we had with Joe Mixon and the Bengals. Like, we like a couple of these guys. Samaje Piran may actually be the one that's most proven, and he's on the Bengals. But I just think Isaiah Spiller is going to be the better running back. I think he's going to be a really good fit for this offense. So that's so, that's why I boosted him just a little bit. Yeah, let me ask you a question. So you you mentioned that, that you don't think that Spiller probably plays at the 4-3-9 speed. Or not Spiller, Brees Hall. Yeah. And and you so you watch a, a fair amount of tape, and Spiller probably doesn't play at the 4-6-1 no. speed either. So then that gap starts to close. Like on film, how close is that gap when you look at their play speed for you? So for me, I thought I've always thought that Brees Hall was faster. I did not think he's 439 fast. If you see him there are times that he is caught from behind on long plays. You're not getting caught from behind if you're running 4-3-9 most of the time. He has been caught a fair amount of times. The big difference I will say for them is you have you can see Brees Hall get those long touchdown runs more often than you see Isaiah Spiller do them. I don't even know. I could pull it up really quick. I don't I couldn't even tell you off the top of my head what Isaiah Spiller's longest run is, but I imagine it's not much. And and that's kind of my biggest thing with them, but I also don't just trying to think of where I, I actually, I don't know why I'm just saying that I could pull it up. Cause I, I graded both of them on that. If I can just find my, um, this is wonderful stalling tactics here as I slowly type in my stuff here and find out where I put, it. there we go. So let's find, okay. That's not working. Why is this not right? We'll find that in a second because I'm not apparently not pulling up the right thing here. But I, I did not have them graded that close on that. The, Brees Hall had a fair amount of separation for me in my film grades. It was Brees Hall, 
wish I could remember who it was at two because it was a good running back that was drafted ahead of him. And now for the life of me, I cannot remember who the other running backs I'm completely blanking on everybody Kenneth in that Walker. draft besides Kenneth Walker was number two. Thank you. <laughs> Only one I can think of was Kyron Williams. And I know it wasn't Kyron Williams, Kenneth Walker. And then Isaiah Spiller. I want to say the difference I had between, um, Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker was a couple points. And then Kenneth Walker actually beat out Isaiah Spiller in my stuff by like 0.2 points. So there was not a massive difference between those two. Uh, but I, I do think there's a slight difference, but it is not what you just mentioned. Like it is not a four six one and a four three nine. I really think if they were both to go out there and rerun their forties, Brees Hall probably runs more of like a four 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 something like that, and Spiller's probably like a low end four five. It's it's not a massive difference in my opinion, but I, I could be wrong on that. And I will see if I can find my my stuff here because now I'm, I'm I want to know and I'm a tad bit frustrated that I can't pull it up but we will move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers and I will let you talk about them as I go find this so we had them ranked uh same thing one spot difference between the three of us Matt was the highest at four you had them the lowest at six and I had them here at five Matt's uh Fox's thoughts here on the Steelers were I just keep getting kicked out of my DMs now. Najee Harris is great, but not much behind him. So I will admit Najee was a big factor for why they were ranked where I had them, but you did have them the lowest here at six. Your thoughts on the Steelers? So I really wanted to put them up because, like, if I'm looking – so redraft, running backs, PPR, Najee is my RB2. I I think I got it Taylor. Najee, CMC is, is how it, it feels to me right now if, if I had to rank them today. But Benny Snell is his backup, and Benny Snell is going undrafted in startups. I mean, I I like Benny. You know, I, I referred to Samaje Pirine as great value, David Montgomery. Well, Benny Snell, I think, is like dollar store Samaje Pirine. Um, I, you know, he needs a giant hole to get through. He just doesn't have any quickness at all. And, and I want, you know, I, I want to like him because if, if Harris goes down, Snell is going to get opportunity. I don't think that they're going to be hammering Anthony McFarland up the middle. Benny Snell is going to be the primary ball carrier. McFarland will catch some passes but they don't they they really don't have a lot after that and really what puts um the Steelers above like Tennessee with Derrick Henry is simply the age i know Najee came in a little bit older but Henry's almost 30 and Najee's what, what 25 now there's a substantial gap in, in the age there um i like Najee Harris a lot but i agree with Matt there's there's nothing behind him um, you know, if, if, like I said, if Harris gets injured, there's going to be opportunity for Snell, but I don't know how much production, uh, you're going to get out of that opportunity. All right. So I was able to find my stuff here. So on the breakaway speed category, I had them ranked Brees Hall with a 6.9 and Isaiah Spiller with a 6.3. So 0.6 point difference, however much that matters to you. And just kind of like looking through, um, their stats. So I'll be honest. I did not realize Isaiah Spiller actually had his longest run was 85 yards. So that's, that's not that bad. I did not. And what's funny about that too, is I say that 
It happened in 2019, which was his freshman season, where most people, if you ask, will say that was his worst season as like a running back. So I find it very interesting that that was where his longest run came from. His other two were 57 and 67 yards, where Brees Hall's were 57, 63, and then 76 um, I think, again, the biggest difference would be their breakaway runs, which is categorized as like anything over 15 yards. Brees Hall had 22, 25, and 13 in his three years, where Isaiah Spiller only had 12, 15, and 18. So he never broke that 20 mark, which I think, again, just speaks to he's got really great bursts. Like when you see him burst out the line, but he just doesn't have that long speed to to keep it going. But on to the Steelers. I am with you. It was realistically Najee that boosted him this far up for me. Again, I really don't think there's a lot of great depth out of these top teams, so it kind of just came down to how I feel about the top-end running backs. I mean, Benny Snell is what Benny Snell is. Uh, He's not going to be anything special, and I think if Najee goes down, they're not going to be that good. You know, I think we both kind of liked Anthony McFarlane, but I know you've said it on here before. Maybe we ranked Anthony McFarland so high because of what we watched him do in one game against the Buckeyes. I don't know, uh, but he he just really hasn't been able to pan out. You know, I like Jalen Warren, the rookie they got out of Oklahoma State, but I don't know that he carries an offense either. So it's really just Najee Harris um, that that is carrying them for me. But again, it just came down to for when I was looking at these guys, it really just kind of came down to who the top guy is and how much I like him because I really think. The only team that's got great depth, in my opinion, are teams one and three, actually, for in my rankings. I, I don't know that two does. Two is being anchored by a great player. Um, and I'm not even really sure that four does for me. Um, maybe they do. Maybe I'm, I'm discounting that a little bit because I... I don't know, maybe I just because it's an AFC North team and I just dislike them. But I do find it also very interesting that all four AFC teams, AFC North teams, made the top half of this list. But coming in at four for us were the Denver Broncos. And I do think that Matt wanted to rank them higher, but he was a little worried that his bias were getting in the way. We talked a little bit about this on the after show because you and me both had them at three. He put them at five. His thoughts were he loves Javante Williams, but he's just not that high on Melvin Gordon. Behind those two, it's really dicey. They could be incredible, but the wrong injury makes him extremely nervous. I kind of disagree with that. And now we, we both know that he is not really a big fan of Melvin Gordon. But I do think that if not, or if Javante were to get hurt, Melvin Gordon could step in and be just fine. We saw him be very effective last year. Now, it is definitely very bad after those two. It's Demarie Crockett and Mike Boone. And I know he told us on uh, Friday last week they just added someone else to that roster. But Javante. McAllister. Yeah, that's right. Because he said he did. And I don't even know who that is either. He was like, I don't know who that is. I had to go look him up. I do think that with those two, though, that is one of the best duos they we have in the AFC right now. I think there's one better, and that ended up being our number one team. Outside of that, I think it's these two. So it was very hard for me not to put them at two. But I just really think Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, if either one of them gets injured, both these guys, I think, can carry this team. So the depth is there and the top end talent. You had them at three as well, so you like them. Yeah, I'm Javante Williams is a is a great talent, and, and I agree with you. Melvin Gordon, they they take a very small step back with uh, if Javante gets injured. Honestly, I probably have um, 
Melvin just a tick higher than Kareem Hunt. Kareem has been very efficient, but I think Melvin is a little bit um, more explosive as a running back in general um, than Kareem Hunt. But the difference, be, there, there's a gap, a bigger gap between Chubb and Javante Williams right now. Uh, and I don't think we need, I don't think we can write off Mike Boone just yet. He showed out well when he had opportunity in Minnesota. Um, now, the, the first week when everybody's like, oh, you got to play Mike Boone when when uh, Madison, you know, yeah, I, I think there there may be some residual uh, 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 resentment towards Mike Boone uh, as people were headed to the playoffs, and then he went off the next week. But he was a good back out of Cincinnati. So if, if so, if Javante gets injured, I don't think we see Mike Boone and and Melvin Gordon split like we'll see Javante and Gordon split. And if Melvin gets injured, I don't think we see um, Javante and Mike Boone split like we'll see Javante and Melvin Gordon. But I do think that they have confidence in Mike Boone. And until they have enough confidence in Mike Boone to say to Melvin Gordon, this is what we're going to pay you to come back. If you think you can get a better deal, you go get it. And he went out there and spent a long time trying to get it. And then they said, no, this is really what we're going to pay you. We want you back, but this is what we're going to pay you. We believe in this guy. If you think you can get five bucks more somewhere else, you can go there. We're not going $5 more. So they, I think they have pretty good depth. I think they don't have quite the top end as the top two teams for me. Um, it, it's, But I'm not afraid of them losing one back at right now. The NBA playoffs means next-level basketball. Get in on the first-round action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly. You win no matter what. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place a same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets back if one leg doesn't hit. Again, the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can also bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? Well, with DraftKings' same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom! You have a shot at even bigger payouts. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get free up to $25 back if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. PN bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That is 1-800-426-2537. In Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Arizona, 1-800-522-4700. In Colorado and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 or visit httpccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. In Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP. That is 1-877-770-7867. In Louisiana, 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK. Text HOPE-NEW-YORK or 46739 in New York. Or visit opgr.org for Oregon. Call or text Tennessee's red line. 1-800-889-9789-1-88-532-3500 for Virginia, 21 and up, 18 and up in Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, and New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. All right, so that puts us to the team that is or that comes in at number three here, and that is the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Dennis, but really, they were tied with Denver, so yeah, I mean. yeah, they they go up because of the the B at the front of uh, their team name. There, uh, we both had them at four. Uh, Matt Fox had them at three. Matt's thoughts here on the Ravens was that he likes J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards. This is a team that always seems to weather injuries and loves to run the ball. What are your thoughts here on the Baltimore Ravens and their RB depth? You know, the the biggest issue I have is that they they sometimes can get a little squirrely with Lamar running the ball, and that that can impact the running back production. But J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, very, very good at the top of the rotation. They did sign Mike Davis as a veteran presence for, which I guess when you look at what they got out of Devontae Freeman and Latavius Murray last year, maybe Mike Davis is something if he if he gets a shot. You know, Dobbins is coming off the injury and Gus is coming off the injury. So there's – there's a little bit of concern there. When will they be ready? But, you know, Dobbins put up nine touchdowns in his rookie season. He's an explosive back, and while he may not catch the amount of passes we want because, in general, that offense doesn't have a high-volume passing attack, they're an explosive team on the ground, and Gus and J.K. both, uh, I like them. I don't I don't like the – I think if both of them were not coming off injury – I'd have been more tempted to put them above Denver um, just because I, I kind of like what they did prior to the injury. And I would probably put them over. I think the difference would be Gus and Melvin kind of, and the offenses they're in, but because Gus and JK are both coming off injuries, they, they land behind Denver for me. Yeah. I had a, a tough time ranking the Ravens here. I mean, I love JK. 
Um, I do think Gus Edwards is a really good backup. Uh, Mike Davis, they're bringing in some veteran depth. I actually like Tyler Batty as well as a receiving back. They still got Justice Hill, uh, Nate McCray, Ricky Pearson, Patrick Ricard. Like, they've got a ton of depth. I just don't think that anybody outside of Dobbins and Edwards are really worth talking about, though. And And I don't know... Edwards has been really good, but I don't know that I could put him above Melvin Gordon. And that's kind of where I came down on it was like, it's JK and Gus and it's Javante and Melvin Gordon. And I actually think as much as I love JK, I'd put Javante ahead of JK. So when I was looking at it, that's kind of what ended up becoming the big separator for me. It was like, I think I'd put both these two ahead of the Ravens top two. And I really don't think if J.K. and Gus were to go down again, as as successful as Baltimore has been running the ball, um, and they do seem to build their team around it, I don't know that I trust Mike Davis and Tyler Batty and Ben Mason and Nate McCray to really be able to produce the way that Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins can. So, Or if we were talking about Denver, like I said, if Javante were to go down, we expect Melvin Gordon to still maybe not 100% of what Javante could do, but 75 to 80 probably. So that's kind of the big separator there for me. Definitely have a ton of depth, and, and I do think that they're going to be a very good team. Hoping both J.K. and Gus Edwards come back healthy because – they're just two great players, and I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited to see hopefully J.K. get a full season of football in uh, this year. But, yeah, it, it, they just came in just below for me as well. Number two. So you and me both had this team at two. Matt had them at one, but then he switched his vote up, and he decided to put them at two as well, and that is the Indianapolis Colts. His thoughts were Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in football, and he had them number one because of Taylor, and he likes the supporting cast well enough. And I do kind of agree with that. I put them at two, and and I thought about possibly moving them down here and there because I just don't love the depth behind them. Love Jonathan Taylor, best running back in football by a wide margin. But we've also seen Naheem Hines, I don't think, can really carry the load if Jonathan Taylor were to get hurt. You got Deion Jackson. You got Phillip Lindsay. You got Devontae Price, who Mel Kuyper really liked. C.J. Verdell out of Oregon, who's shown flashes. And then Tyson Williams out of Baltimore, who showed flashes last year as well. I just don't think this running game will be as effective if you lose a guy like Jonathan Taylor because he's just so special. That's just like losing... Zeke in his heyday or Le'Veon Bell for the Pittsburgh Steelers, or I'm trying to think of recent running backs who've just been absolutely dominant. Uh, Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. Like you lose Jonathan Taylor. None of those guys on that list that I just mentioned can come close to stepping up to where he did. It'd likely be a massive committee with Naheem Hines probably being the most productive. And I still think we'll be productive this year, especially as a receiving back. But outside of those two, I don't love the depth. And so that's what put them at two. I, I've argued with myself for a long time between them and my number one team. But when we get to the number one team, people are going to think it's biased. You probably have already figured out who it is. I just think the depth is there. So what were your thoughts on having the Colts at two? You know, we got a lot of Ohio State jerseys in our background. Um, I agree that Jonathan Taylor is the uh, is the best running back in the game right now. But I don't think he's that far ahead of Nick Chubb. I think the issue for me is how the Browns use Nick Chubb versus how the Colts use Jonathan Taylor. Um, And it comes down to volume. Chubb just doesn't get quite the volume that Taylor does. But Chubb is every bit as explosive as Jonathan Taylor. He's probably a little bit more powerful. I think he catches the ball as well as Taylor does. 
And and so I I, I love Jonathan Taylor. But when you look at the bottom four running backs that are currently on their roster, it's like literally, it's it's like Frank Reich said, "All right, let's now we're going zero RB." And he, the bottom four: Lindsey, Deion Jackson, Tyson Williams. Now Devontae Price, I think he, if I remember correctly, he received the highest pass blocking score from Garrett um, Garrett Price over at Dynasty Nerds. Great pass blocker, kind of an upright runner, um, little little explosive. I don't, I, you know, I don't remember. I feel like C.J. Burdell was a lot uh, hotter name a couple seasons ago, yeah. and then he kind of faded in his college career. Um, it is one after you get past Jonathan Taylor, it's kind of a zero RB mishmash of running backs, and there's going to be a lot of people getting touches. Uh, it, it'll be a, a you know, I think if I think if you took Taylor off this team and made Bill Belichick the coach, he'd love the running back room because, like, oh, I can use a different running back to do something different on every single play. Yeah, I would imagine there's not a lot of running back rooms Bill Belichick hasn't looked at and loved because as long as it's got he probably hates Denver's because they've only got the four guys, but you've got five or six running backs on your roster. He's probably pretty happy. So that brings us to our number one team, and that is the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we all have them ranked one. Again, Matt uh, just moved his up there, and he said he had him at two, but they have the best running back room top to bottom. He just liked Taylor a little bit more, which is what had Taylor at number one for him. And, I mean, I agree with him. We were just talking about it a little bit. I mean, Nick Chubb, we know how good he has been, and I think the biggest issue with him is he just doesn't get used enough. I know I've complained about it throughout seasons the past couple of years when they're getting down the stretch, trying to close some games out, and they seem to pull him off the field in crucial drives. Uh, but when he is not out there, we know Kareem Hunt can play just as well. We saw Dearness Johnson step up and play really good at, at during during times last year with both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb injured. Uh, you know, I don't really have much hope for John Kelly or Johnny Stanton. But Jerome Ford is a is a running back that I really liked. Um, a friend of mine, Austin Nace, had him ranked very high in his running back ranks. He's liked him for the past couple seasons. He was a high-end recruit that went to Alabama, transferred out, and he did this before the one-year transfer rule where you can – or the one-time transfer rule. So he actually had to sit out an entire season before playing at Cincinnati. And he had two really good years at Cincinnati. He's a really good runner and a really good pass catcher. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about this. I can't remember if this was on air or off air, but we both talked about this could be the reason that they trade Kareem Hunt at some point in time in the season because they've got him. They just re-signed Dearness Johnson. But all four of those guys, in my opinion, can produce. If any one of them gets hurt, if Chubb gets hurt, we know Kareem Hunt can do it. If Kareem Hunt gets hurt, we just saw Dearness Johnson do it last year. And I think that Dearness Johnson and Jerome Ford would pair together to make a pretty good duo if those top two guys got hurt. I'm with you. I don't think there's a massive separation between Chubb and Taylor. It's just the usage and why we don't get to see it. And I, I think... I said this to, to Ray Garvin recently, and it's it's really an interesting thing when you go back and look at it. Um, and I, I feel – I don't want this to sound like I'm making light of this because I'm not. But I think the bad decision that Kareem Hunt made uh, in that hotel room in – I think it was Akron or I can't remember where it was at, but Toledo. here in, in, in Toledo, the decision he made that obviously where he, he stupidly did what he did cost the Chiefs 
multiple Super Bowls because I think that offense would have been almost unstoppable with him being there at running back. And I also think it kind of robbed us of seeing what Nick Chubb could truly be as the lone workhorse in, our, in a backfield. Because I think he's a better receiver than he gets credit for. They just don't throw the ball to him because they have Kareem Hunt, and they don't use him the way that he could be used because of Kareem Hunt. So I'm with you on the usage part for Chubb. I really think he's a much better back than he sometimes gets shown. But what are your thoughts here on the Browns running backs? You know, they go they go four deep. I, I think if Hunt and Chubb get injured, I don't think that the Browns are going to bring in uh, Latavius Murray and, and Devonta Freeman. I think they're going to go with the Ernest and Jerome Ford. Um, now, it does drop off with, with Felton, Demetric Felton, and, and John Kelly after that. But they showed last year that they're comfortable giving to Ernest Johnson 20, 20, 25 touches for a few games. And I think that's the kind of player you want as your RB3. Um, it, it's, I, I feel like if Jerome Ford plays really well, it wouldn't surprise me to see Kareem Hunt move this training camp. But we saw when, um, you know, when the draft was rolling around, that most of the teams have filled their running back position uh, at a level they're pretty comfortable with. And we saw a lot of running backs fall in the draft even further than we were expected. So at, what, 27 years old, I think, is where Hunt is now. You know, they're not going to get get a lot for him. They're You know, you're looking at a sixth or seventh round pick probably, especially given what he's making as a backup. Uh but, man, the Browns have a, a dynamic running back room, and, and it's it's hard to consider anybody else being at the top of the AFC when it comes rock on, Gator. It, it's hard to see anybody else coming up right now and knocking them off uh, in the running back room. They are, are just loaded. They have an explosive back in Nick Chubb. They have a very versatile back in Kareem Hunt that can play inside and out and catches the ball very well. Ernest Johnson can do pretty much the same thing both Chubb and Hunt do. He just lacks the top-end explosiveness. And then we got Jerome Ford, who as a he's a rookie, so we're gonna have to wait and see. But in college, it seems like he, he seems like a combination of uh Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, where He's a really good pass catcher, and he has some explosiveness. I don't think he has the vision that either one of them have, um, but I think he'll make make up for it. Yep, I agree. So that is it for our AFC running backs. Again, uh, to give you guys the full list going from top to bottom, the Cleveland Browns at number one, Indy at two, Baltimore at three, Denver at four, Pittsburgh at five, the Chargers at six, the Bengals at seven, the Jets at eight, the Tennessee Titans at nine, the Las Vegas Raiders at 10, the New England Patriots at 11, Buffalo Bills at 12, Kansas City Chiefs at 13, Jacksonville Jaguars at 14, Miami Dolphins at 15, and the Houston Texans at 16. That will do it for us today. I believe on Friday we're doing NFC wide receivers. I had to double check that. So NFC wide receivers, that should be interesting because that's going to take a lot more looking at and trying to figure out um, 
thoughts on the depth, especially because I feel like the NFC has lost a lot of talent recently. So it's going to be a, Gonna be fun to see what we decide on those, but uh, Dennis, any last words before we get out of here? Man, what'd your doppelganger do with Aaron Donald's contract? Holy cow! I don't know. I just just saw that he is supposedly going in for physical. I didn't even see what the what his contract was. It was it was like sixty million, eighty million dollars, or something like that. Extended until he's like thirty five years old. Eh, he deserves it. Best yeah. defensive player in the game. So we'll definitely have to talk about that on Friday when when all the full details are released. Everybody have a good a couple days, and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump at me. Golly. Only tackle the four yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>